Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning. Welcome to today's show. Scott Luton and Kelly Barner with you here, right here on Supply Chain Now. We've got a really neat, special little project that we are kicking off here today. And Kelly, by the way, good morning. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing just fine, Scott. Thanks for having me. You bet. I'm looking forward to this. So, you know, this conversation is going to be a, a frank, informative conversation. It's going to be focusing on taking a deep dive into just one singular issue that's timely, relevant, important, and the global community is clamoring for it or about it, or it's getting their attention. This issue here today has created quite a stir across, I would, I would argue, across industry. So we, we don't let the cat out of the bag just yet, right, Callie? No, no, no. We're going to build up to it. We have this very planned out. <laughs> so That's right. So these topics that we're going to cover through this uh, yet-to-be-named series is going to really come from the conversations that we're having with our community feedback we get and the headlines, right? So I, I'm really, once Kelly and I kind of were chatting about this concept, I'm really excited about it because I think, uh, Kelly, and I'd love to get your take here, I think the opportunity that we have to lean into some of these topics and these developments that need more than just a couple of minutes of comments and give our take. In this case, we're going to be getting uh, Kelly Barner's take on, on this topic and, and also to inform, to add context, and to really hopefully create awareness of all sides of, of some of these important developments, right? Absolutely. And this is actually, this is tough because I think most people watching and listening probably think of you and I as content creators. But in order to be good creators, you also have to be consumers. And it's hard not only to stay on top of all of the stuff that happens industry-wide on specific topics, headlines in the news, but then they kind of flash past and every once in a while you think, whatever happened with that? So this is nice. This is like we're indulging ourselves, really digging in deep into one particularly relevant story. Excellent. Well put. And also to your point, we're going to have the chance as we get deeper into this yet to be named series to give you updates on what's yes. what's uh, what's happened since we, we first dove deep. So I should also mention you know, Kelly Barner, if you've tuned into Supply Chain Now before, of course, she hosts Style P for Procurement. Uh, she also leads Buyers Meeting Point. Yes. She's part of the Art of Procurement team. So talk about a, a content creator. You've got it in spades with uh, Kelly Barner. So I'm looking forward to hearing her take here today. Now, let's unveil the topic, Kelly. Okay. So, <laughs> ta-da. Today, <laughs> we're going to be talking about North Face yes. versus the oil and gas industry. And, and there's a little bit of drama in that title. But that really, when it comes down to that, that was kind of a, a big theme here. So we should also add one of the big signals that this was important is, you know, you put out a very informative uh, and opinionated post on mm -hmm. LinkedIn, and it's garnered hundreds of comments and reactions. And yep. at last count, over 30,000 views, and it, and it got a lot of attention, clearly, right? It did. And I would love to say that every single one of my posts on LinkedIn gets 30,000 views. Right. That does not usually happen. So clearly the story resonates with people. <laughs> not yet. Next. Not week. yet. We're working Next. on it. <laughs> okay. So Kelly, I think it's really important when we, when we uh, tackle 
uh, stories like this to really set the table first. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to walk our our listeners through in case they maybe have in case the story hadn't hit their radar. So let's name the primary players. That what's the playbill here, Kelly? Okay, so we'll set the stage. The characters. We have a number of very colorful characters in in today's story that we're sharing. So this actually begins with a company called Innovex based in Colorado. And they are producers of well, oil well related technologies. North Face, of course, they headline, right? They're important players in the story. And then we have two other groups that kind of come into the story later. One is Liberty Oil Field Services and their CEO, Chris Wright. And the other one is the Colorado Oil and Gas Association. So we have a number of different players, most of whom in this case are in the oil and gas industry in different roles in different states. On the other side or in the other corner, maybe I should say, we have North Face. So those are all of our players that we're going to meet today. Wonderful. And I should add, if you're one of three people that may not recognize uh, North Face, huge brand, uh, founded in 1968, a lot of outdoor clothing, footwear, related equipment. If you're outdoors and enjoy being out there, it's got something for you. So which adds to the intrigue of this entire conversation? So now that Kelly's walked us through uh, the primary players that you're going to hear about and, and, and better understand, now let's set the scene. So Kelly, what happened? Okay, so we're taking everyone back to, let's say, fall of 2020. Someone at Innovex decides they want to do really something nice for all of the employees for Christmas. And so Colorado, it's a cold place. They have a lot of weather. They decide, you know what would be really classy? It's been a hard year. For 400 of our employees, we are going to order them beautiful North Face jackets, but we want them to remember where the gift came from. So on the one side, of course, it comes embroidered with North Face and they have a program. You've probably seen like the Weather Channel, for instance, embroidered on the other side. You can have your corporate logo. And isn't that such a nice thought? Oh, I'd love to to get one. I would like to get one, too. Well, you don't work for oil and gas, do you, Scott? (laughs) Not Okay. so supply chain now may be good. But here's what (laughs) happened. The order comes in 400 jackets, right? That's a commercial sale with the branding request. And sales rejects it on the grounds that it does not meet their brand standards to put the Innovex corporate logo alongside the North Face corporate logo. And I want to make sure I get the details of this right, because this is actually a quote. It does not meet their brand standards. And the company made the decision to therefore turn them down, quote, the same way they'd reject the porn industry or tobacco industry. Mm. And so they said, no, you cannot have the jackets with the logo on the side. So that's where this kind of all started. This is the central issue, the decision behind North Face saying, nope, you're in oil and gas, does not meet our brand standards. No, you can't have the co-branded jackets. Okay. So a little, a couple, two disclaimers for our listeners that have made it this far with us. So number one, this is certainly less about anyone's position on the environment and- Agreed products and and brand integrity really it's it's more about a supply chain and procurement lessons learned so stay tuned as kelly continues to unpack this this uh, story and secondly we're going to present a variety of views we've got some great questions uh, that we've heard from kelly social and and other parts Mm -hmm. of of the internets and we're going to walk through that too here momentarily but first 
Let's discuss some of the fallout from this decision that North Face made a few months back. And Kelly, tell us more. So actually, before I give you a fallout, I have a third disclaimer. Ah. So I have my awesome Boston Love Public Library shelf behind me. And I don't just have it because I live in Boston and love to read and all of that kind of thing, although it does look cool. My initial career path, I have a master's degree in library and information science. My original focus was to go into the corporate library world. So research, whether market intel, any kind of internet, using pay for, for use services, that's what my original training is in. So you're going to see there's a lot of different resources on the show notes of this episode. You will note I made a point to make the rounds. There is no such thing as politically neutral news anymore. So you'll see I made the point. I made the rounds. I have stuff from all over. I found responses directly from the companies whenever I could. So there's no angle here. As Scott said, we're just looking to discuss the sides, talk right. about the fallout, see what other people can learn. That's So that's my my third added disclaimer. I love that. I had no idea. So yeah. I didn't know so that yeah. about that about you, but it makes a ton of sense now. It makes a ton of sense. So and it comes in really useful, yeah. actually. So do tell more. Yes. So here's here's the story. Initially, you just had 400 sad people at Innovex, but like all industries, oil and gas talks and word starts to spread, not only that the order has been turned down, but why the order has been turned down. And here's the problem. If you've ever been into a North Face, you're not going to find a lot of cotton. You're not going to find a lot of natural fibers. What you're going to find are things made of a lot of synthetic products. And that's awesome. That's innovation. It's what allows them to be lightweight, very warm, waterproof, tough to abrasion. They deal with all those wild outdoorsy things that North Face consumers like to do. The hitch is, it means that most of them are made from byproducts of the petroleum industry. Right. So no, you're not gonna walk in there and find a gas canister, but there's a lot of different processes that you start with petroleum and there's all different kinds of byproducts. So any kind of nylon based, right? Polypropylene, all of those kinds of things that are good for waterproofing and, and temperature buffering. So there's the problem. And the industry starts to say, well, wait a minute, but sure, you wouldn't let us buy the jackets, but you wouldn't be able to make the jackets if we didn't all do business together. So this is where word kind of bubbles up to Liberty in Texas and another group in Colorado, the Colorado Oil and Gas Association. I have to say, these are a humorous group of folks. I give them a lot of credit because one thing they did not do is call for a boycott. Very divisive, right? Very disruptive to businesses. Not saying all boycotts are bad, but in this case, they chose to go for visibility and understanding. So Chris Wright starts this campaign called Thank You North Face. And when I first saw the story, he bought a billboard directly across the street from North Face headquarters so that every day as everybody comes and goes from work, they say this big, huge billboard that says, thank you, North Face, because you're our number one customer. You buy so much from our industry. We appreciate you. He started a website. He made a video. And he goes through and he lists all of the products and all of the materials that North Face is reliant upon oil and gas for. Now the Colorado Oil and Gas Association, they made their first ever award of the customer of the year, extraordinary customer of the year. They awarded it to North Face. 
Unsurprisingly, they awarded it in absentia. North Face did not actually show up to make a speech and, and claim their award, but it started to cause a lot of visibility. And that's when I first encountered the story. I saw it on the news. And my initial response was, this has to be one of those buzzy headlines that once you dig into the details, you find out that's not really what the story right. was about. And for a procurement or a supply chain person, the deeper I dug and the more I read, the more I realized that not only was it absolutely what had happened, it's a cautionary tale and a free lesson for anybody else in our industry that is willing to think us through and hear us out and maybe prevent the same thing from happening to them. So we're going to get to some of those lessons via Kelly's take next. I should, I think it's important for folks to know, because I, I didn't really connect the dots here. The furniture industry, I've, I've how many friends, raise your hand if you've spoken to lots of friends and they're waiting for 10 months on couches <laughs> or tables or whatever, right? Well, one of the reasons there is because of a lot of the plastics, just like with automotive and some other industry, many other industries that are made from oil and gas, different components, they're lacking. And, and think of what took place in Texas between the weather right. and, and many of other challenges. It really has impacted a lot of these component parts. And so that's, of course, part of the story here with North Face from a, from a different angle. All right. So, Kelly, again, I appreciate how you wrapped your last thought there that there are lots of supply chain and procurement lessons to be yes. learned here because that's that's really what we're, we're aiming to do. It's an intriguing story from a variety of different mm -hmm. perspectives, but there's always great lessons for all of us to learn in global business. So let's get now Kelly's real take. So where do we start? So I think we start with this had to be explained one of two ways. Either sales did not realize how dependent North Face is on the oil and gas industry for their revenue, which is really scary and probably not the case, or they simply don't like the optics. You know, let's think about who the typical North Face consumer is. They're environmentally oriented. A lot of them are young. So brand image and brand reputation are incredibly important. They do not want to be associated with oil and gas. So chances are, as we dig, sales absolutely knew and yet made the decision that despite the fact that all of these products are still in the North Face supply chain, they weren't going to make the sale. Now, I think knowing the audience for this program, the other important thing is to talk about what are we talking about when we say supply chain? A lot of times we separate, you know, procurement's on the buy side and supply chain is on the sell side. Hmm. But it's really one big long either chain or ecosystem that goes all the way from some raw material on one end to a consumer's hands, whether B2B or B2C on the other end. So in reality, sales and procurement are sort of separate intersection points, but they're sitting on that exact same chain. Right. And so my heart went out to the procurement folks at North Face because somebody has to negotiate with these suppliers the next time they want to buy more of whatever this material or substance is. I mean, your negotiating leverage just went down by all the way, you know, just, just a little bit in an era where all of our conversations, whether on dial P or elsewhere, are about building relationships and collaboration and what happens to companies when you can't get the products and services that you need to operate. Everybody spent the last year, 18 months being worried about that. Now we are deliberately, it would seem, offending critical suppliers. So thinking through, was it done knowingly? If it was done knowingly, did anybody really think through the impact? And if they thought through the impact, 
did they ask anyone in procurement or supply chain before they issued this response? I can't find any evidence that people internally had any role in the decision-making process beyond the brand affiliation. It would be interesting. We're going to, in, in a minute, we're going to talk about some opposing viewpoints, not really opposing, but kind of different alternative viewpoints. And uh, we're going to talk about the type of product that, that Innovex was ordering. How, how cool would it be, and or maybe interesting in a nerdy way for me at least, to see all the other companies that requested and have ordered uh, these products yeah. to see you know, kind of the, the criteria for how North Face makes this this big brand decision because that's a that's an interesting trifecta uh, that you alluded to earlier in that quote from uh, NBC Twelve <laughs> wherever that is yeah. uh, oil and gas porn and the tobacco industry that's quite a quite a trifecta okay I know so what else uh, let's keep driving we'll yes. get your full take here so what what else would you add. So I think the other big thing that I would add is right now there are a lot of big initiatives going on around diversity and inclusion, around sustainability. My own take is always sort of the rough advice, get your own house in order before you start asking other people to do things or judging other people. So if you're going to put a diversity initiative in place where you say, you know, the workforce has to be this type of diverse or just plain you need to report on it put yourself through a pilot. Are we diverse? Is our board diverse? Can we report on our current talent diversity? Because a lot of companies can't. And that goes for diversity just as well as sustainability. And this is where I got a really interesting comment from Bindaya Vakil. She's the founder and CEO of Resilink. And she pointed out that based on their research, um, although all CSR programs begin with supply chain mapping and sub-tier visibility, meaning not just who do you buy from, but who do they buy from, how many companies know who's in their supply chain? Their data shows that more than 85% of companies don't have that sub-tier supply chain visibility. So there's always a question that you're creating a PR nightmare for yourself by going out and saying either... We're committing to X percent diversity or X percent sustainability or emissions reduction, you know, however you choose to set up your ESG metrics. And you may not know where you are today. You may not know how you're going to get from where you are today to where you want to be. So although the PR piece is alluring and it's absolutely part of the ROI, in addition to brand perception, you have to make sure you're doing the work internally especially before you start expecting anybody else to live by those standards. Mm. And I think that's where, Scott, as you had said, this isn't about you know justifying which industry is good or bad. This isn't pro-environment, anti-environment. This is simply about consistency. And right. do you know what you're talking about? And if you're making money with one hand in a certain way, right? are all of your actions consistent with that value? That's where some of the questions start to come up. And honestly, that's where most of the discussion on LinkedIn went. Yeah. And, and, and that was interesting to see, see, see the, um, not, I was going to say back and forth, not really back and forth. It was yeah. view and additional thought and additional view. And it really generated a lot of comment discussion there, which was really intriguing to walk through. So you mentioned the company, uh, Resilink, right? Resilink, yes. Resilink. And that's spelled folks. We'll have the, um, 
the link there in the in the comments r e s i l i n c and i also want to add uh speaking of the companies you know we had Lori Chenault, senior vice president for procurement strategic sourcing and procurement i think is her official title with georgia pacific on the most recent dial p live stream and you know there was a lot of ton of goodness and we had some other panel great panelists there with Lori, but ton of goodness one of my favorite things that she talked about and really you could just tell she lives because it was baked into into her pov is transparency and humility transparency yes. and humility and you know when i think of uh, kelly that uh effective uh supplier relations or as she put it preferred partnerships absolutely those are important qualities and and i'm curious what any discussions behind, other than saying, no, no we're not going to fill that order. I'm curious to see what other exchanges uh, that were, that was had there between uh, North Face and Innovex. And were they potentially done with the blinds closed mm. so that from the corporate boardroom, they didn't have to see that big billboard across the street? Interesting. <laughs> well, you know, whatever <laughs> your take here, and, I'm, and we're going to yeah. walk through some, if you're, if you're good, I'm going to move into Absolutely. some of the other alternative viewpoints that we that we've seen across across the internet regardless of your take on this whole situation you got to say that these folks have approached this with a little bit of sense of humor and you know (laughs) as we say a thousand times to all of our different shows it's really important to maintain a healthy sense of humor through these these challenging times we're living through okay so i want to i want to walk through a two or three different points here kelly and then i'm going to um get your take and your response to them so first off, so North Face and its parent company is VF, right? Yeah. Uh, VF is a very diversified organization. I believe it's the same VF that makes turbines for like the the, the wind energy oh, sector. Which I, I, I'm pretty that. sure. I think they've got a site, a manufacturing site here in Georgia, which is why I think the only reason I know that. So North Face released a statement and, and we're really, I think it's important context. This request was not, Innovex didn't say, hey, we want a thousand North Face jackets or shirts or something that you get from the catalog. This is this is uh, according to them that more unique co-branding program, which Kelly mentioned mm-hmm. up front. So we're going to include their full statement in the notes, but I want to include this quote, and then I'll get Kelly's take here. "Quote: We manage co-branding requests on a case by case basis. There are times we choose not to sell product to certain organizations from a variety of industries with the intent of placing their logo next to ours." This includes companies in the oil and gas industry, end quote. Okay, so Kelly, any comments as to their statement and, and maybe that that point within their statement? Absolutely. So a couple of comments. First thing to me is about the location of the statement. So once this all started to unfold, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop, right? This has been so public. When is North Face going to respond? I'm waiting for the next chapter of the story. It kind of never came. And I would search and I would look, uh, and I want to actually give a shout out to a colleague, John Hansen. Um, he initially found North Face's response, but it was in a very obscure, some kind of ecological fabrics industry journal behind a paywall. You can't access the article unless you have a subscription. Okay, so that's not going to work. So we had to get creative. And I thought to myself, where do you put a necessary but potentially controversial statement that you have to make, but don't actually want anyone to ever see, right? You put it on Twitter. So I went to at their midnight. Twitter account at midnight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cause that's what I think about at midnight. 
I went to their Twitter account and there it is pinned right to the top of their profile. You know, we've been in the news. We would like to respond to this. Here's the information. And so, you know, to me, that's a very muted response. It's a response that if anyone challenges them, they can say, oh, yes, we responded. Here's our answer right here. I think my issue around the response is they are still continuing to generate revenues based on their reliance on and partnership with companies in the oil and gas industry. So that's fine. I mean, companies all, all across the world have different kinds of sustainability goals to reduce or increase certain things by dates in the future. But if it's your current stated objective that your interests do not align with the interests of this industry, then how do you justify currently today generating the vast majority of your revenues based on them? And it's not even coats, it's climbing ropes, it's water bottles, it's right packaging even that the different products come in. And so I think they created a very difficult situation for themselves. If for no other reason than, let's say going forward, they wanna try to either move away from oil and gas or help oil and gas become more sustainable so that they do feel comfortable putting that Inuvax logo on their, on their jackets. Well, now that partnership bridge has been not only burned, burned, hit with a wrecking ball, then like you bury it with sand, it is gone. There is no retreating back over that bridge. That's not the way to innovate with the supply chain. Mm. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's unfortunate, but as long as these products and materials are in their supply chain, I kind of wish they had taken the equal opportunity to educate that oil and gas took, um, be in their corner or not, they informed people, they educated, they got the word out. I wish North Face had taken the same opportunity because I think there's a lot of appetite for information about actionable sustainability. What are real companies who are dependent upon these products and materials doing to either lessen the impact they have on the environment or simply work them out of their supply chains? And we're not getting to learn that in this case. Yeah, excellent point. A lot of good points there. As was one of the statements in the um, the string of comments, it, it, it centered on greenwashing, right? Which we're all learning yes. a lot more about. Yep. And um, you know, one of the concerns there from some is that you know when we have situations like this, it can really take the focus off of where companies really are making huge strides when it comes to the circularity and sustainability and you know protecting the environment which is is so important mm -hmm. but i want to also add along those lines kelly second point here as we look at a wide range of comments you know many would point to how the north face is making considerable progress based on what i could find on their website on its commitment to be a hundred percent responsibly sourced apparel mm -hmm. fabrics by 2025 so that's just four short years away mm -hmm. but it's still four short years away is, is my hunch but what what's your take here you know my hunch is from a revenue standpoint four short years in terms of innovation is four very long years in terms of revenue um, I also think this is something I personally find interesting. So it's something I follow. Um, maybe a parallel example is what Lego is actually trying to do in a similar area to get some of these uh, synthetic materials out of the construction of the bricks. They're trying to move to plant-based materials. I mean, that's excellent. It's something our kids come into contact with. If we're honest, sometimes they put the Legos in their mouths. Wouldn't it be better if they could be natural products? Yes, probably. Um, 
But what Lego has found is that not only is it very difficult to get the right kind of mix of products so that the brick has the same feel and weight and doesn't fall apart and cost, right? Legos are already expensive, but they found, speaking of supply chains, the supply chain for these alternate substances and materials is not as mature as something that has existed as long as what we see in oil and gas. So let's say, optimistically speaking, over the next couple of years, North Face manages to identify a plant-based alternative to you know, their petroleum-based materials that they're using now. Is the supply chain going to be ready to provide mature product in the quantities that they need predictably within four years, and then they have to convert their production processes over because there's a possibility even in manufacturing, they may have to alter the equipment that they use. You know, maybe it can't be subject to the same kinds of temperatures or pressures or, right? Then they have to go through testing. Four years strikes me as extremely optimistic. Um, and yet kudos to North Face. I mean, every company should strive to make sure that all of their operations are in alignment with consumer expectations and with their own corporate values. Um, I know supply chain now has a very important set of, of core values. So do I at Buyer's Meeting Point, so does Art of Procurement. It's not always easy to live by those values, but you do it because once you walk away from them, it becomes a question of who the team is and what they stand for. And so it does seem like there should be room for transition we're moving towards or we're moving away from, and here's our action plan, and here's who we're partnering with. But in the short term, it seems like there's got to be a more middle of the road way to play it so that you're never forgetting that every single customer is also potentially a supplier doing unnecessary damage that just doesn't need to be taken. Interesting comments there. I really appreciate that. Um, and I'm on the northface.com, the website, and to point out a couple other gains that they're that they're uh, driving. Let's see here. They are launching the first their first products intentionally designed for circularity in 2022. Uh, we talked about the responsibly sourced apparel fabrics by 2025. They're also looking to have all footwear and equipment by 2030. That is a is a pretty audacious and aggressive goal. So. But I love your your context around, you know, having us both having been a part of you a lot more than I have, but being a part of uh, sourcing efforts to find new suppliers or or replace uh, replacing current suppliers. Mm -hmm. um, you know, part for part, the same being equal is challenging enough, as we talked about on the live stream. When uh, to your point, when you go from one raw material made a certain yes. way to another. Uh, it gets a lot more challenging, which is one of the reasons why to, to really become green organizations mm -hmm. and truly become to build circular products. That is part of the, the big challenge, a big, big, big gap. But we're going to get it done. A lot of smart people yes. are working it uh, at the North Face and other other places for sure. OK, so also a little more gen, uh, general alternative viewpoints here because you heard from folks. I think repeatedly in some cases that wanted, uh, or at least their took their take was less about this specific conversation and more pointing to kind of the, 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 um, uh, the environmental concerns that the, uh, credible environmental concerns, uh, 
that the oil and gas industry bring yes. to light. And that that's that's fair. It's different from this story. But yes. anyway, what's what's your take? So absolutely, that's that's a hundred percent fair. Um, as is the notion that no company should have to put their brand next to a company that they don't want to put their brand next to. I think as we've seen, that can create some very difficult situations because once you start to say no to some people and yes to others, you're constantly going to be playing this game of justifying your decision. Um, and I did have people who, for the most part, constructively jumped into the conversation and said, you know, good on North Face. They should be moving away from oil and gas. They're not good for the environment at the same time. And it's funny because I didn't even have this thought until Today, I got a, an early listen on the conversation you just had with Deborah Dull on the circular economy. If you think about it, the materials that North Face is using are byproducts from oil and gas. Maybe if North Face wasn't buying them, they would be disposed of in some very harmful way. So maybe currently, North Face is actually participating in something of a circular economy, keeping those byproducts out of the waste stream and turning them into useful products down, down the road. Um, there are a lot of different ways to look at this issue. You know, I do not envy anybody with brand management responsibility these days. It's, it's not an easy matter, but neither is trying to back up the claims that your operation is sustainable. It's expensive. It takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of creativity. And because of all that, the ROI and the customer loyalty is huge. And so any company that goes down that road owes it to themselves and their shareholders if they're publicly traded, um, their employees most definitely, and also their fan base to make sure that everything is kept consistent. Um, you know, make sure that you're acting on the principles that you have conversations with people in your sales channel, because pretty much everything is public now. You know, this is your mom's advice. If you're not comfortable with it being above the fold on the front of the newspaper, if anybody still gets newspapers anymore in paper copy, <laughs> if you're not comfortable with it being there, don't say it. And sure as I don't put it in writing. I mean, that's where we get the NBC 12 story from. We have the letter that North Face sent to this company. It's being quoted in the press. So it becomes part of the public record very quickly, especially when there's interest around the story like there is this one. And I would also say, I mean, I love the humor aspect. Anybody that finds themselves in a difficult situation, make sure that option's on the table. Because talk about memorable, talk about effective, talk about reach, you know, almost back to this idea of content creation versus consumption. From a content creation standpoint, North Face certainly has their policy, which is good practice and they're entitled to have, right? They created the content of the letter that went to the media, but it didn't have the same reach that oil and gas and the different companies that were players there had between their video, their website, their billboard, right? So thinking about how many people you want to reach, what's the best way to reach them and what's the best way to hold their attention and be memorable. There are, wouldn't surprise me someday to find this as a B-school case study, to tell you the truth, and have students study this operationally from a sustainability standpoint, from a marketing and, and PR and communication standpoint. There is a ton to study and learn from here. Agree, which is exactly why we wanted to dive into a little deeper and understand all the different dynamics at play. 
And I appreciate that. You know, you just, uh, no one wants to keep a secret these days. <laughs> so, <laughs> no. And of course I'm no. kidding. Of course I'm kidding. Visibility and transparency yeah. is, is how we're going to really solve many of the, the greatest challenges, right. the, the, the societal challenges that we have even. So, and that's a good thing. So mm -hmm. transparency and humility as our dear friend, Lori from GP right. shared with us. Okay. So Kelly, I think you have really given us a variety of lessons and points to ponder here. Um, do you have a final supply chain lesson to be learned? And then I'm gonna make sure folks know how to connect with you. Matter of fact, I do. And it actually goes back to one of our earliest points. Each of us, whether we're functioning as an individual consumer, a procurement professional, a supply chain professional, a sales professional, we all have a responsibility to be informed, right? So if you're a consumer and diversity and inclusion or sustainability or maybe even small and local business collaboration is important to you, research the companies that you buy from. I mean, it, it was interesting because it hadn't occurred to me before this, like, oh, that's right. As environmentally as they brand themselves, North Face is completely dependent upon oil and gas. If their consumers didn't choose to go find that information and Innovex hadn't wanted to order those nice jackets for Christmas, this might have never come to light. So each of us has a responsibility to do our research. Google is so easy. Go find some information, follow up on these stories, make sure you know where your dollars are going, whether you're spending your personal dollars from your wallet or whether you're spending corporate dollars right through procure to pay or whether you're simply choosing who to partner with in the supply chain, be informed. It really is important. Excellent point. Uh, we'd all be in a better situation if we had more and in truly informed Absolutely. consumers. So that, that's a really important, good thought there. Okay. So just coming attractions before we kind of wrap with Kelly here, we're inviting a variety of people that will be taking a part of this little project, this little series that we, we're cooking up here. And, you know, our dear friend, Greg White, this phrase of violent agreement came out in an earlier podcast. I think with our friends from Connexus, I can't remember exactly, Connexus rather, but I do expect some violent, maybe not violent, but a lot of disagreement, right? And that, that's kind of, you know, it's kind of what we're after, these different viewpoints, diving deeper into a singular story, and then offering some updates on some on some latter shows. So I think we've got a, a recording date set up with a variety of folks right now. So stay tuned for what should be, I think, some intriguing conversations, diving deep on, on some of the most compelling content and situations mm -hmm. and developments across industry. Okay, Kelly, how can folks connect with Kelly Barner? Probably the easiest way is to find me on LinkedIn. Just look me up, Kelly Barner. I'm also Buyers Meeting Point on LinkedIn and Twitter, and you can find me at buyersmeetingpoint.com. And to that point about disagreement, we're all big kids here, right? We can agree, we can disagree, That's right. keep it clean and keep it constructive. And I very much look forward to your comments, regardless of where you fall on this issue, because more voices gets us to a better solution faster. So please do reach out and join this conversation. That's a great note there. I should have added that on the front end. Uh, folks, we want to hear from you. We want to hear your voice, you your POV. And, you know, um, different strokes, different folks. That is how we arrive at better places from yes, a variety of perspectives. So um, so keep it coming uh, via social. And uh, in, in maybe if you're viewing this, you know, in a particular channel, throw the comments in there. And uh, we'll try to get back and, and make sure you're part of the conversation. Okay, everybody. 
Hopefully enjoyed deeper dive into this intriguing story, we think, between the North Face and versus Olin Cass. It's a lot of good news here, if you're willing to look for it, and a lot of interesting takes. So Kelly, thanks for sharing yours here today uh, to our listeners. Hopefully you've enjoyed this conversation as much as I have. I'm much more informed and aware, and I've had a couple of chuckles based on some of the things we've shared. Uh, and all that's good news as well. On behalf of our entire team here, on behalf of Supply Chain Now, Scott Luton signing off for now, wishing you the best of wherever you are. Most importantly, hey, do good, give forward, be the change that's needed. And on that note, we'll see you next time right here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.